Good day. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me, Matt. How's your Friday going? Great. TGIF. Hey, another fun week kicking off the spooky season, I suppose. And hey, look at that. I think you've dressed festively. I like the orange hat, the brown sweater. Yeah. It works. Fall as fuck, I think. <laughs> like I'm I'm uh I'm definitely feeling the um I'm feeling the fall season. Yeah, I went to pumpkin fast or fall fast last weekend. Uh we do we do uh spooky season. We we go pretty hard in the Midwest. Um, I like it. I can only imagine how many pumpkin spice lattes you have off screen right now. Obviously branded by the cornering, just all yeah, right behind the camera. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I uh I'm not uh I, I mean I, I think I, I was sucked in by the initial PSL craze back in 03 when they came out. Um but now it's like everything's pumpkin, everything's mm. pumpkin spice, and I'm getting a little, you know, a little, uh, a little OD'd on it. But um, yeah, I mean, what's it like in the city? Do you guys do? You, do they do it up in the in the big city? They do a lot of seasonal stuff right now, for sure. Between I guess like the cocktails, the food, all of that. You know what? I'm actually the biggest trend I'm seeing right now in New York in terms of like food and beverages is a lot of mocktails. I don't know if that's how it's going in the Midwest, but like huh. I think the that I guess we'll put it in like the health craze or whatever. But mocktails, I see at every single restaurant like full on mocktail. Um, it's actually menus genius and all that. Yeah, it really <laughs> is smart. So I'll give it to them. But that's the biggest trend. But right now. Um, that's the big trending thing. And the other trending thing right now in New York City is obviously the immigration issue, uh, which <laughs> I was covering that a little bit on my stream, but like it, it's really serious. And people were asking me like if I like New York, there's obviously pros, like yeah. great concerts, great comedy scene, great food, but it's also not where I want to raise a family. It's a career decision. I'm here for now, obviously the epicenter of finance and whatnot, uh, mm -hmm. but for the long term. No, I'm not going to be here in the long term. Why would I want to pay the taxes here long term? I saw you talking about taxes yeah. this morning. I was like, maybe I should get a place in Tennessee with you. You know, we'll just uh, hang out in Nashville. Yeah, I think that um, you start doing the math, um, especially when you're set up like I am. So I'm getting like double whammied because I have a corporation too. So I'm getting yeah. hit with Wisconsin State income tax and then also corporate tax, uh, Wisconsin State corporate tax. Um it's a you know if if you start like doing some of the math in your head which you do it is a non insignificant amount of money that i would gain for free for relocating essentially yeah. you know the way i look at it like where mine are at i'm like oh if i move the money i say in ta taxes is essentially my rent so i'm like if i move yeah. to the right state i can effectively live for free yeah that's how that's how i'm looking at it like i was talking to my wife and i was like uh what do you think about moving to Tennessee? And she's like, no. And I said, what if, and then I inserted the actual amount of money we would save. And she's like, oh, I was basically like, what if we could have a free house? What if we could yeah. have a, a free summer house in Florida or a free summer house in, in Texas on the, on the Gulf somewhere? Would you, would you consider that? And then you start looking at the numbers and it's like, oh, yeah, I might actually consider that, you know, and you're starting to see more and more people do it. I mean, it's no surprise, like right before what's it, uh, Logan Paul's big fight with Mayweather, he got like, I guess, like living in Puerto Rico, Dave Portnoy's barstool before the all the deal and everything Miami. went down trying yeah. to get it in Miami, like people are doing it. it it's it, when you're talking serious numbers, it makes sense. Like, 
even if it's not an area you necessarily absolutely love, I think we all have our own number. We're like, well, I would live there for X amount. And like, obviously that's different from person to person, but you see it all the time, all of the time. And I don't blame them. Yeah. Yeah. When you're talking, when you start talking about, you know, a free mortgage, um, hmm. you start thinking about, you start thinking about, well, in 10 years I could have a free house. <laughs> like it's, uh, you know, I've got, you know, I've got my mom here in Wisconsin, so that does make it more complicated. But like, you know, Tennessee's not that far of a drive. It's like eight hours. And mm -hmm. the other the other thing I could do is go full. The other experiment I'm running financially is going completely insane and doing like, uh, I mean, a very nice rental in like gotcha. Florida for the winter. You have to stay six months in a day. So it's like leave Wisconsin in October, come back in March, keep re retain my house here, but live for free, essentially on the oceanfront uh, in Florida for six months. That's also on the table, but it's not as good of a financial investment because I'm just paying rent. Gotcha. Um, but it's less risky, I suppose. I mean, would you but really want to be buying a home now anyway? I mean, even renting for a year or two, that might be the <laughs> optimal move because, like, I mean, 8% is, like, where some people are clocking in right now. It's, I don't, if you're going to do it renting for a year or two, it might not be the craziest thing because, like, the interest payments alone are ridiculous. I Fun yeah. fact, I was actually, before I came to Miami, or excuse me, before I came to New York, I was actually really close going to Miami. I mean, I visited, I found not only the apartment building, but the exact apartment I was ready to sign. And last second I decided to come to New York, but that's what I was gonna do. I was like, well, hang on, like a huge chunk of this, like it's kind of like it, when I consider it with taxes, I'm like, I'm actually getting a massive discount. But mm -hmm. uh, at, at that point, my girlfriend now fiance, she does horribly in the heat so i was just thinking of june oh, july yeah. and august in miami i was it's like rough. that that place it's hot it, and humid yeah like yeah. it's the humidity that gets everyone like i've talked to people in vegas and they're like honestly vegas it might get 20 degrees more at max but it's the humidity that ends up really doing you in yeah yeah i think that the whole it's a dry heat works until it's 120 mm -hmm. but yeah not all like 90 degrees are created equal and um just so everyone knows, I'm joined by Matt Kors. We met uh, in Milwaukee. He is a fellow streamer here on Rumble, and um, he has a daily show every single day from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, so non-competing time slot. So it's a, a very entertaining guy that uh, if you're looking for kind of your wake-up, your wake-and-bake, uh, wake-and-make uh, type stream, um, Matt's your guy. All of his links are in the description below. How have you found, um, you know, the, you know, when we talked in Milwaukee, when we weren't talking about Roseanne, uh, you shared a little bit about, uh, you know, how you ended up in this game. You kind of, um, if I, am I incorrect in saying that you kind of jumped in or you, you rose, you know, your big bump was during the, the meme stock craze. Yep. Am I incorrect in saying that? No, definitely spot on. So how'd you kind of, how'd you get it? Were you just like sucked in? I mean, uh, tell me what kind of, except for all the illicit drugs and illegal acts that you've, you told me about in Milwaukee, but the, um, you know, tell me about kind of how you're, how you ended up streaming and how you ended up uh, in, in the finance world online. Yeah, I feel, well, for all content creators that quote unquote breakthrough, it, it seems like all the stories are a bit unique, um, same as mine. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I went to school, I went to Penn State and I, I always liked, 
numbers and math and i also like gambling and so basically the markets were like a clear connection for me uh, in mm-hmm. fact my last semester i paid for it um you have stocks and then you have options which are degenerate and then you have a thing called binary options which are like super degenerate not a lot of people even pay attention to them but that's actually yeah. what i was trading to pay for my last year of school like i was sitting in the library just trading away so i always liked it and at that point, uh, my background was in computer science. I was studying to be a coder. I worked for a bank. And then I was like, eh, not really my vibe. I got like too many. There's like, a big crossover between development and trading. I've oh, known a sure. lot of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew a lot of devs that I hired, like high-end devs were day traders. And oh, they yeah. up, so I thought, yeah, that's that was a I weird mean, pipeline. They, but the yeah, mind like, works the same, I guess. Yeah, well, just numbers, risk reward. It's a lot of statistics. So um, it made sense. And I was doing that. And the bank I worked at, like just by chance, some of the people I ended up working with uh, were really into it. And this is kind of bad to admit, but a couple months in, the way the bank worked that I was at is like you had to be on the team for six months to ever be considered for promotion. And I started off at the lowest level and I actually got switched like just before the timeline. So the new time I was on, there was no chance of me getting promoted. And right there, I just mentally checked out. I was like, oh, everyone in my cohort's gonna get promoted, I'm not. So it got so bad at one point, I was actually bringing in my personal computer with me to actively trade all day. Like in front of everyone. Right? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> not, well, very loud quitting. Like oh, the yeah. office was there, they saw my computer. I was skipping meetings. I was just trading. Like my one performance review, they're like, yeah, you're doing all right work. But like everyone's reporting that you're on your own computer trading. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, and they actually never ended up firing me. And I think it's just because yeah. my skip level, which is what we refer to as my boss's boss, the one day he found out I was trading and he was kind of a trader. So we would talk about it. And then we actually both were really into the MMA UFC. So it got to the point that with him and the people above him, I would start going to every UFC fight. So talk about like, not really nepotism, but I just made connections with people yeah. way higher than anyone who's going to fire me that they never did. But anyway, I was very loudly quitting. And I was like, maybe this is just not the best for me. So I went to yeah. a smaller company, moved to New York, and this was more data science. So this was like when I was really getting into statistics and math. And even then I was like, ah, but I had moved in January of 2020. And obviously this is gonna be very important for the story. So New York, I was in Brooklyn and it was fun for two and a half months until the world oh, yeah, shut locked down. down. Yeah. yeah, so like yeah. I moved yeah. there and like I got myself into like a rent situation. And I was like, oh, this was like probably more than I should be paying, but I guess this is the New York experience. And it was fun. I remember like the XFL started. So I went to the first like whatever football yeah. team with that and it was fun. And then obviously two and a half months in, it shut down. And I was like, uh-oh. So at that point, I'm in a two bedroom with my girlfriend, now fiance, and I was just bored. And I was like, what do I do? Inside, like very, very small Brooklyn apartment. So I disorder, decided to order a webcam. And at that point, like I was watching the big finance content creators, Graham Stephan, me, Kevin, Andre Jake. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do it. And I always thought it was kind of cool, but yeah, I like I just never did. it. I never had time. And I was like, well, now I'm stuck inside all day. Like, maybe this is it for me. And I decided like, I'm like, what could I teach about? I'm like, well, I know coding. I know trading. I don't see anyone else talking about algorithmic trading. Let me make videos on it. And at that moment in time, I thought I had a golden idea. I really did. Yeah. I was like, who wouldn't want someone giving away free strategies that are proven to be profitable? And it was <laughs> horrible. And it was particularly horrible because everyone in 2020 and 2021, if you said anything about finance, at that point, folks, the market was ripping. So if you were talking about crypto stocks, everyone was doing well. I swear, if you had a bell curve of every finance content creator, I think I was the worst. I don't think I was in the worst category. I think I like 
have the title for being the worst content creator. Folks, if uh, you are feeling bad about like, your life, if you want a yeah. cringeworthy moment, look at my YouTube channel, reverse sort by my oldest videos. They are awful. Like they, they are just <laughs> so, so comically bad. And so I was doing that for a bit. I started in March. Fast forward to the very final day of 2020. My friend group's a little bit rough and it got to the point that they like were making fun of me of how I was speaking, like just like brutally making fun of me. And well, the ones on your like, videos, you mean? Yeah. In my, and in real life. No, no, no. They oh. like to my face. They're like, your videos suck, man. Like we don't like, you know how to talk. You're like, why does it seem like you're just learning how to talk now? And the one friend suggested that I just try live streaming. He's like, dude, it's too rehearsed. It's too scripted. You got to stream. So I remember December 31st of 2021, was when I was live streaming. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll yeah. just try, give it a whirl. So I was doing it every Sunday truly for practice. I was doing like a market review or whatever. And I, I think I was lucky to have 50 or 75 viewers. And this is at the point that finance content was probably the most popular content. And like, yeah. that's how poorly I was performing. This whole time, all of 2020 and really since 2016, I was always a huge, huge fan of the subreddit Wall Street Bets, which is basically meant for trading degenerates like myself. Degenerates, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. folks, if you don't know what it is, it's basically people pitching the craziest ideas, showing massive wins, massive losses. It's like really turning the stock market into a full-on casino. And I was always just a fan of it. And the point in this story is that's how the whole GME craziness got started. And there was one particular poster. His name was Deep Effing Value. And then his YouTube yeah, was Warren him, Kitty. Yeah. But he got the whole GME thing going. And he was like he, testifying and stuff, right? Like he Yeah, had the, it, it got so yeah. out of hand that like uh, <laughs> when it all GME went crazy, he got pulled in front of Congress and he's like, no, I just <laughs> like the stock. And he's really quiet now. Like, I mean, they're making movies and books and shows and documentaries and no one can get him. He's really quiet. But also Didn't he most get likely, out. Did he get out with some money, you think? No one really knows, but there's a very, very good chance that he got out with like over $40 million in the okay. whole ordeal starting with just, a 50k investment 50k yeah. to 40 million like yeah it's ridiculous. I, just, I remember the meme of i like the stock going around yeah and i remember um you know i remember i i just happened to prepare for our talk i looked and i'm like oh gme's back down now to where it's over hmm. like it's just over now but uh i went back and look at one point i don't remember what the starting when the craziest but when it went to like 80 it was like it was made people multimillionaires overnight, yeah. and um, I think that it was a really interesting thing. Even I bought some stock, and of course I lost. Most people dabbled. The retail people, I was like, oh, I'll buy some of that, and I'll buy some AMC. But I feel like I didn't have enough of a nest egg to make a difference. If you're, I'm also a degenerate. Like we would be. That's why I cut Vegas off my list. Gotcha. A lot of people are like you should move to Vegas. I'm like, no fucking way. Like <laughs> no way. I'll go broke. There's no way. Like. Yeah. I, I, I don't even like, cause now when you go to casinos, I don't know how it is, but I went to a casino for the first time in many years. Now you can just run your credit card you can pull like three grand, Ooh. four grand, five grand out. And That's you can now that the last time I used to go to a casino, you couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. But like, oh no, you just go to the window and they run it and they charge you like a hundred bucks to do it. And they give you like three grand and it's not a cash advance. And I'm yeah. like, well, I have no <laughs> limit on my car. <laughs> like, so like I there's no way I could I could uh ever live in Vegas but the um the gamba aspect of it was really really attractive to me like that level of degeneracy where it was like okay 5 grand I'll throw it in bed mm -hmm. bath and beyond or I'll throw it in whatever if you're smart enough that was also around the 
was that around the that was around the first Doge Bonanza, I think, too. That same era, roughly the same era? No, maybe not. Yeah. So no, no, no. It was like Doge came a little bit after. But the reason for all of this is at that point, and this actually has really important Federal Reserve and government ties. Is the world shut down in March of 2020, and about a year later, when this all started, a little like nine months later. What had happened was the market was ripping. I mean, we were hitting all-time highs, and a lot of your audience might be thinking, but does that make sense? Like, we, the, the world was, like, <laughs> shut yeah. down. And the reason for that is because Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, it's our central bank, it's the people in control of our money. They just, at that point, the coffer got up to $8.9 trillion with a T, $8.9 trillion were made out of thin air. So it was just, it was unlimited quantitative easing. They were just making up money. The interest rates yeah. were as low as they could possibly be. And on top of that, when you have this, like, let's call it the Reddit inspired trolling, people were locked inside. They're looking for a sense of community and they're getting stimulus checks. So right now you're in this scenario where- That changed everything. The yeah, stimulus checks yeah, are like- <laughs> it, it, it all came together. So you're locked inside getting stimulus checks. You see the market ripping. And now you're pitched almost this biblical story of David versus Goliath. You're sitting yeah. at home doing nothing, reading a message board, and now you hear, oh, you can make Wall Street pay and you could get paid if we all just band together. It, it was like a, a perfect storm, if you will. And then mm -hmm. so that kind of like went on to GME. And then from there, there was other ones, like you said, uh, I think like I don't, there was random AMC, ones in there. Bed Bath yeah. and Beyond. There was a whole Blackberry. Yeah. And yeah. then obviously there was a crypto where like it was, it was the perfect troll. The internet banded together and like, oh, Doge, literally not tied to anything we're just in it because it's a funny joke and then because they do it it keeps going up now obviously as you alluded to these prices they don't stay there forever like it what goes up kind of must come down and yeah. with it i mean i think at one point when i i first found out about gme via reddit of like what was going on around 15 20 and at one point in pre-market trading uh at that point because obviously since then there's with all these amc and that stuff there's dilutions there's stock splits so it's a little different but at one point i saw 15 a couple weeks later elon musk tweeted out game stonk or something like that yeah pre-market yeah. trading that day it was over 500 dollars. It, it was absolutely That's, i ridiculous. remember i thought yeah i feel Why? like I, when i was going back and looking at the um um when I was looking at that, I was like, why was it at, I thought I saw only a peak of 80, but I feel like I remember it at several hundred dollars at one yeah. point. At one point it was definitely clearing uh 500, but since then, obviously there can be like with a lot of these, you're going to see stock splits and whatnot. So that they have to like retroactively change it. Cause you don't want to oh, be like okay. improperly showing the market cap of the company. But anyway, uh, so I decided to stream and then in late January, I was following GME and I was working on speaking. I was too excited because I myself was involved in GME and it was Wednesday. Whatever the Wednesday was, it was the 26th, 27th. Actually, Apple was reporting their earnings and then later Tesla was. So I did the Apple's earnings report, just covered it. And like, really, I'm just trying to contain my excitement because I'm in this winning GME play. And in between those two reports, Reddit shut down Wall Street bets. So yeah. I just switched my title and that random event was like actually what led me to this conversation right now because i went from 50 viewers on youtube to like a thousand by just Isn't switching funny it. How and i was like I what <laughs> like, yeah. like i am content i figured out youtube i was so 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 ecstatic and then that was a wednesday i streamed thursday friday the numbers are getting a couple more thousand that weekend i called my startup boss and i was like i'm gonna be sick for this upcoming week i streamed monday to friday by the end of friday 
after a year of it, I finally had 10,000 subs on YouTube. By the end of that week, I crossed 100,000. I was streaming to 30, 40,000 people. It's over. And yeah. <laughs> that weekend, I was like, oh, by the way, he's like, oh, are you still sick? Are you coming to work? I was like, well, I'm not sick, but I'm also not coming back to work. And I quit my job that week after streaming for one week. And I've never yeah. looked back. And I like, obviously, from GME, I went to Doge. From Doge, I went to AMC. From AMC, I went to Shiba. And obviously, the market not being as exciting now, I cover more of just like generically what's going on in the market. I think this yeah. upcoming year is going to be crazy. Like, obviously, just the election season. The election I cover, year will be nuts, yeah, yeah, like I cover a lot of uh, politicians trading. I don't want to get sued, so I shouldn't really say political insider trading. But in my own Suspected. legal, of, yeah, yeah, so, like we'll call them very. Did you see trade. the the sell off? Did you cover the sell off that uh, Feinstein had coincidentally recently? Um, she had, there was a very suspicious windfall that her husband or whatever had, um, not that long ago. I mean, everyone knows Pelosi. Pelosi. But, um, yeah. There's a lot. I mean, there's one, it's guy, my opinion that they shouldn't be, if you're in government, you shouldn't be allowed to take part in the market period. Um, I just think that too many people, it's just too, you know, like what's her name? I, I think, uh, you know, they all had the inside information on the, um, the cobalt, the the um, semiconductor stuff going on. I think a lot of money was made off inside information, knowing that oh, they're bringing they found a semiconductor mine, and now they're they're going to Taiwan to make sure they. I mean, these people should not be trading with our tax dollars and getting super duper rich. I cover so much of it on my show, and then honestly, like it as a person and morally makes me want to rip my hair out. But in terms of content, at least it's like entertaining to cover because there's yeah. so many. So uh, there's so, so many stories like my favorite one, like Nancy Pelosi is definitely the face in this symbol just because like she's worth tens of millions of dollars. And like her average income is what? 170, 200 K yeah. years. Like, well, how does that add up? But yeah. my favorite one is Senator Tommy Tuberville. He's Tuber. actively, yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. actively is sitting on the ag committee. And the guy day trades corn futures, like it, like corn futures, corn futures. And he sits on the ad committee. And then beyond that, I recently had a video where oh, he bought egg, some AG. Yeah. Agriculture. Like, yeah, oh, that's ag a, yeah, that's definitely not a conflict of interest. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, there's some there's other ones right now. There's a senator. What's his name? Carper. C.A.R.P.E.R. -E I think he's for Delaware. He sits on the finance committee. He's recently been loading up on an ETF that does the opposite of the market. As in There's it benefits be when the market goes down. He's betting against betting the against. U.S. economy sitting on the finance committee. Tuberville, he got How into- How could he not some, have insider information, right? Like, how does he not so know? It's so ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. so ridiculous. So, like, this is a big thing of, like, oh, stop them from trading stocks. Well, what's crazy is by notional value, our elected politicians are actually trading more options they are of stocks. So, to me- I think there's going to be some virtue signaling person who gets elected. They're like, I'm going to stop stock trading. And they're going to do that. And there's going to be massive like Swiss cheese loopholes where they end up just trading oh, they're options. They're going to do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. it's things like that. Or like a lot of these times it is their spouse. So is the law going to be like going to the extent of like your immediate family? I think the way to do it, that's like fair because like there's so many edge cases of like, what if you're single, but during office you get married, does your spouse then have to sell all of their stuff? What if you right? have kids? Yeah, yeah. So to me, the fairest way to do it is honestly let everyone trade. But I think all trades should be reported before the trade is executed. 
one full calendar day. So if you're going to buy Apple, you have oh. to tell the world the day before. So I'm just a fan of complete transparency because if you go the other that. way, yeah. I just don't know, like, does it go to your aunts and uncles? Does it go to your parents? Does it go to your kids? What if you're getting married? Like if your spouse works in Wall Street, do they have to quit their job? Like there's just a can of worms there that I'm like, oh, well, the other way to do it is just complete transparency. A full day in advance, I think it should be reported. Yeah, at least some people can make a move on it. I remember, yeah. I remember one of the things I really do want, you know, when I started, uh, I've always been, I've changed how I am with money. I used to, uh, like when I, when I was in my old house and I started making decent money with YouTube, the first thing I did was pay off my house. And then my neighbors were like, who had, who had many years of actually having money. They're like, you're a retard. Why did you <laughs> do that? Like you just, you had free money. Yeah, I think it was like two and a quarter interest rates. Like, why yeah. did you pay that off? So now when I bought this house, I'm at three and a quarter, which in modern day uh, interest rates is free money. And like, I've changed my 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 uh, outlook on cash. And now I like pay the minimum because I want to build a little bit of a nest egg to do some investing. And, um, but not too degenerate, but I, it's got to be degenerate because like, like uh, mutual funds don't excite me. It's got to be, for me, it's got to be like, I'm okay. What I always told people, even when I was covering GME, is like, don't invest. It's just like gambling, literally. Only yeah. invest what you can afford to lose. Don't, if, if you're going to pay your rent, don't buy stocks like and hope and hope it goes up. I mean, stocks do only go up. But look at even like Paper Hands Portnoy, how much money he lost. There's a perfect example of a guy who had a lot more money than cents, a lot more dollars than cents, and he lost his ass. Like uh, every time he'd jump on a meme stock, he'd lose and he'd sell out. And he was, he was funny to watch though during COVID. Like every yeah, day, the just... Davy Day Trader, whatever it is. But yeah, like, yeah. That's the <laughs> yeah. thing with trading is it, well, and gambling itself, there are very, very quote unquote smart people, however we want to define intellect, that can't do it at all. And then there's people that everyone in here, we'd probably agree like is dumb, but somehow they're wildly successful in trading. And I don't think there's much of a correlation with intellect. It might, but like there might be a bit there, but I mean, Newton, who we all like refer to as like just being one of the smartest people ever yeah. in the equivalent of their stock market, they estimated to like today's dollars, he lost about 30 million. Like he just like made super bad bets. And like for someone or anyone listening, first of all, I'm not a financial advisor, go hire one of those people. But I yeah. also think that is one of the biggest I guess scams of modern day finance is I understand financial advisors in the terms of setting up trust for your kids or getting the right, whatever legal yeah. setup for your business. But in terms of what stocks to pick on any given year, half of the hedge funds in existence do not beat the S and P 500 as in you could go to whatever app and just buy the overall market and you are outperforming half of hedge funds in existence. And then on top of that, another metric is when you have a high performing hedge fund, the chance of it repeating and being a high performing hedge fund the next year is pretty much zero. It regress to the mean, right? Like yeah. you, you can't just keep winning forever. Yeah. That's well, a very happens, valid point. It's very yeah. thematic is as in, it might be like a bond heavy, whatever hedge fund. And if bonds do great one year, they're the top of the list, but the chance of that continuing is not good. So then they're not on the list again. The people who repeat year and year are things like market makers like Citadel, but they're not actively trading. Like they're doing like, super nanosecond base trading and that's not something like retail people are going to be doing at all yeah well i thought was interesting is i 
ahead of this conversation, I, I was looking at even, so like, I don't do much in terms of investing. I have a, a SEP IRA. Yeah. Um, because Perfect. if you have, if, yeah, if you have an S corp, everyone really should do that. Cause it's like yeah. free money. Um, but even that is not up. Like even that's not making me money in the, in the traditional way. Like um, it would make money. It makes money in tax savings. But when you look at a lot of these, and I have some mutual funds and things like that, I'm like, oh, these just basically break even every year. And I'm always thinking like, you know, I'm pretty sure I can pick, I could invest at least as good. It's a coin flip. Obviously, if you go in and you're like, oh, I'm going to buy all these meme stocks and hope, that's more of a gamble. But like any idiot can buy Apple stock or Tesla stock, or you don't have to, you know, know, well, Tesla's a little more risky, I suppose. But, you know, when Tesla gets uh, publicly traded again, whatever their IPO is going to be, like that seems like a, a decent, or when Twitter does, sorry, X, seems like a good investment. So I think that that's a valid point. Like, I guess what I'm what I did a poor job in a roundabout was that empowering yourself to look at don't necessarily you don't necessarily have to hire all these experts like you could really just spend enough time taking control of your finances you don't have to be a day trade gambler but you could take the time and understand that there's only a few mutual funds out there they have to produce their numbers report their numbers you know like okay well they made three percent over the last three years am I gonna pay a financial advisor ten percent of my portfolio to to make me three percent like you can take control of it a lot. Yeah. And that's, once again, folks, I'm not a financial advisor, so don't take it as that. But in my personal opinion, first of all, I would never do any mutual funds because really what a mutual fund is, is a basket of stocks. That's what mm -hmm. ETFs are, an exchange traded fund. It's another basket, except ETFs have a much lower management fee than mutual funds. In fact, pretty much every mutual fund in existence is already mimicked buy a certain ETF. So you could do the exact same thing and pay less of a fee. Thus, whatever your gains are, like they should be theoretically better. But for a person in here who maybe you're in the market or you, you're interested in the market, the longer your time frame, your odds of success increase dramatically. Not just a little, not linearly, exponentially, the longer your time frame. And as in your worst odds are day trading, your best odds are long-term investing. Um, and yeah, like we've all seen the graphs of like kind of like the acorn into the tree type of a thing. If you start now, whatever, and you're investing in the overall market, it's worth many millions more. Based on what you're saying, I agree with that, but I agree to the point that, yeah, I would rather pick what my favorite tech stocks are. In the next 10, 20, 30 years, barring like all out World War III, this, that, or the other yeah. thing to the point that money wouldn't matter, I still think tech's growing the most because I look around me and I'm like, okay, where's the world going? It's obviously going to be more of a tech-driven world. So I'm looking yeah. for upstream things that provide AI, that tech. Stuff yeah, like well, that. Yeah. Upstream to the point of like, we know we need lithium. So if I can find a lithium mining company, I know that's going to be used in all the products or the batteries being used Cobalt. in EVs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. And then the companies themselves, like right now, if I had to pick a handful of stocks, like, yeah, I'd get generic exposure to the overall tech market, the NASDAQ. And then from there, I'd just look at things like Microsoft, Tesla, Apple, NVIDIA. And right there, if you're holding on to those in the next 10, 20, 30 years, yes, there's always a chance that it blows up in your face. But also there's a chance of owning Coca-Cola or Pepsi blows up in your face. So I would rather right. just like yeah. sit on those. Like um, but well, that, most that's people how I would do it. and most people investing are doing it incrementally. Most people who, who are investing are not Bill Gates who are like, oh, I'm gonna buy a hundred million shares of Bud Light. Um, just because I think it, you know, it looks low or whatever. Like most people, so you're buying incremental stocks, you're not risking a ton of money at any given time, but it adds up. Um, 
yeah, I mentioned, speaking of that, did you see that uh, someone was reporting this morning that uh, the current valuation for Twitter is $8 billion, down from $44 billion? Uh, yeah, I saw by something some that media expert, you know, like. yeah, I saw something about how Bill Ackman like was, I don't know, almost jokingly throwing in his hat to try to bring it public again. I, I don't think uh, now is way too early because if anything, they kind of no. want to get their legs under them with the advertisers. Yeah. And I do think they're going to come back. I mean, you see it as well as I do. He's trying to grow it into more of a generic social media platform. Yep. If he pulls it off, it's worth a lot. Is he going to pull it off? I don't know. Like, actually, right now, I'm in the middle of reading his biography by Walter Isaacson. And some yeah. of the things, like, the guy is a cutthroat entrepreneur. I think it's no secret that he has some form of Asperger's. And sometimes not having that emotional connection, it helps you become a better entrepreneur. It really does, because you don't care about firing the person. Because, like, people like you or I would think about, oh, they have a family, they have bills. Yeah, he does not yeah. give a shit. Yeah. Like, Same he's just with, like, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's what these top-tier people do. Are they a person you would necessarily like just want to hang out with? Probably not. Cause they're probably mean. Like he, the amount of times he got in trouble with school not. calling people just stupid. He just did it. He didn't care. Cause like he is just different. Like the, the way they think of the world, they, the way they think of their goals and their mission is very different than the way, way the quote unquote average on him is probably a smart bet. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, I mean, as a Tesla owner, we're on Starlink yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I've consumed, there's like, I have uh, behind me here something. I have a flamethrower. Um, I also have uh, this. Oh, the burnt head. Yeah, the, the cologne. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, look at all the money he raised selling those flamethrowers. I was like, this yeah. is stupid, whatever. He raised tens of millions of dollars for, for a meme. I'm sure he did the same with this. Um, I believe that he'll turn Twitter into, um, I think he wants to view it as like a subscription service. Um, and I think he'll, right now he relies way too much on advertisers to go public, but that won't be the case for very long. He's just gonna, you know, he'll figure out a way to get more people on Twitter blue. He'll figure out a way um, to extract more money out of people. And that way, cause that's too, that's the leverage point. That's too strong for Twitter. Every time the media wants to beat him up, they can. Uh, every time they want, they can call the ADL and the, or the media matters and they'll produce a report and they'll send it to advertisers and he'll lose a hundred million dollars. That's he's got to get away from that. And this is what I've said since the beginning. Like he, he, when he, he floated a few weeks ago and everyone ran those headlines, like Elon Musk uh, said that he's going to charge for the platform. I a hundred percent believe that he, that is his plan long-term. Oh, yeah. I believe that he, he thinks that he can offer enough value to where um, people will pay monthly for it, two, three, four dollars, and then then you don't have to worry as, as much about advertisers. By the way, I'm joined here by Matt Kors. We're actually going to talk about some hard finance stuff now. His, uh, I want to show you <clears throat> his uh, Rumble channel uh, and YouTube channel. He's live every day uh, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, talking about all sorts of general finance stuff. He talked about the SEC investigating Elon the other day, which is interesting because Elon refuses to testify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, that's what Elon does. Um, you know, and, and uh, so if you're watching the stream now or later, um, make sure you check out his live stream, which is every morning, Monday on school days, and also his standalone videos. If you're on YouTube, you can watch them on YouTube. If you're on Rumble, which I hope you are, you'll watch them there. Um, and, uh, if you're one of the, 
don't know, ticking up about 3000 people watching. So I'm, I'm thankful that you're all joining today. I noticed you covered the, um, the job report this morning. I didn't get to see it. Is Biden building back better? So the unemployment rate went up a little bit and went from three points. They were expecting 3.7 to went at 3.8. Our unemployment rate is really, really low and arguably it has nothing to do with Biden. Like, I don't think the average person no. realizes how much control our central bank has. Like so much goes on with the Fed. The Fed has so much power, but we're never really taught about it in school. Like maybe it's like one little passage. Yeah, like That's why there's people... so much. Um, Here's but... what the... I was sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say, here's that's why at every major sporting event, there's all these uh, kids who just turned 18 that do uh, t that want a free T-shirt that sign up for a million credit cards. And then when they're 25, they want to buy a house and they have a credit score of 510. And they're like, oh, sh right. like they don't even teach kids about credit score, which I think is on purpose, but I won't go down that road. But I think uh, I think that we'd be a lot better off if they did teach people that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I fully agree. The unemployment, uh, well, actually, the jobs number came in uh, way better than expected. But this is something like it gets really deep into monetary policy. But right now, good reports are actually bad and bad reports are actually good. And the reason for that is because we have inflation. So the Fed is actively trying to stamp out demand. So when we get a good report, people are like, oh, the Fed's job isn't working. And when we uh. get bad reports, they're like, oh, they are stamping out demand. So maybe we're taking on inflation properly. So like, this isn't always true, but the current monetary economic overlap is basically stranger things. We're in the upside down. Bad reports are good. Good reports are bad. Um, they use but, interest rates to do that, and right. Yeah. I mean, that's how they. Just like uh, I, 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 uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to interrupt. Like uh, every man, some of your uh, your uh, nerd finance talk. So yeah, so when you look at real estate, for example, the reason they rate interest rate raise interest rates is to try and decrease demand. Um, and, uh, that's why they're so high and they might even go higher when, when, when you have loans that available at two, 3%, a lot more people are taking more loans because it's a lot far lower risk and there's more value, um, in just take and just taking the money out and investing it in other things that are higher value. When the money costs you 8%, there's very few things that you can take that money for and, uh, consider it a good investment, including real estate right now, which is what yeah. really what the point they're trying to get where people stop taking out these loans. Yeah, I mean, we're almost at a three decade low. Mortgage demand is currently at the same levels we saw all the way back in 1996. Like that's how, like it's just, no one wants to pay 8%. So we're just not seeing that in the market, but it's kind of weird. We're still Some... building though, where I live. Oh, it's really? Like new, new home construction is still cranking. I don't know, it's, it's so wide, wild to me. Now it's obviously just an isolated pocket. Yeah. And I live in a suburb that's, Anybody with enough money is leaving Milwaukee. Like, and if if they can, they're moving to the suburbs. So there's like a lot of construction for that. But there's probably a delay. You know, these construction projects that I'm there's seeing now were signed up for 18 months ago. So it's, yeah. it's tough to say. Might be because it is going up rapidly. I mean, not that long ago, the Fed fund rate, which is the trickle down effect that he was just referring to, that sets up interest rates, uh, credit card payments, even some federal student loan payments. Like that's the rate that sets kind of the tone for everything else. Not long ago it was at zero, now we're at 5.25. And this is, it, it's a very fast rise, but it's also not unheard of. Back in the 80s, this was actually up at in the tw the 20% range. My so parents historically, it's been like way bad. My parents' first home loan, I think, was like 17%, they told me. Yeah. 17 yeah, so or 18%. Like, 
it's like there's a lot of things to consider in, in this and like the build back better or whatever biden not whatever the hell it is it doesn't really matter yeah, yeah, yeah bidenomics like to me and connect it to a lot of things going on in politics it's a lot of just good talk it's a lot of fancy sounding things it's a lot of ways to use taxpayer dollars to buy votes for whatever the upcoming election is there are many things that are going on that like economists have debunked not recently but decades ago of the proper way to run things but it's different. You and I are running a business, so we consider money in, money out, expenses. When you're in politics, the name of the game is using someone else's money to get elected again and then push the can down the road so someone else can figure out the problem. So yeah. there's like, it's too, like the government I know should never be a business, but there is some overlap. But in my humble opinion, it's getting too far away from classic business operations. Like, I mean, right now, we just as a country passed 33 trillion in debt Per day, we're adding 14 billion in debt, three billion of which is just our interest expense. Like it, it just yeah. is going up and up and up. And like the real concerning thing is the GDP to debt ratio, which is sitting at 120%. And whenever you're above 100%, like that's, that's a red bad, flag. Yeah. So like yeah. there's various things that are just, it's frustrating. And once again, I think it really comes back to our lack of financial education because people don't ask those questions. They don't learn about it. They don't learn about it. So they don't even know what questions to ask. All they think is, I personally have whatever. Let's just use student loan debt. Oh, yeah. great. This guy's going to pay it off. Like, I'm going to vote for that guy. I'm going to, like, they don't understand that there's no such that. thing as a free lunch. Like, yeah, someone nine paid billion for it. in yeah. student loan uh, evaporates. Like, where does that come from? Oop, I don't care. I, you know, on your point of running the government like a business, I, I talked about this yesterday in the live stream about the homeless mm. problem. It's like the reason they don't solve the homeless problem is because there's too much money in the homeless problem. There's nobody saying like, you know, because it, because too many people are drawing salaries to manage the problem. They don't ever, because if they get rid of it or they fix it, then they lose their job. The same is true with politicians. They, they have to keep promising to fix a problem to collect money, but that problem has to exist for them to ask for money. And it creates a circular uh, like uh, a free feedback loop of these people really, they're not incentivized to fix anything financially or in, when you talk about politics from a power perspective, which if anyone knows politicians, it's never about the money. It's about the power. That's why these idiots stay in office till they're a hundred freaking years old. Mm -hmm. It's about the power and the prestige, not about the money. So like if these people are not incentivized, the system is broken because it is not run like a business. In my opinion, I would take it further and say that the entire government should run as as many much of it should run as business like, because as it runs now, there is zero incentive for anyone to fix anything ever. Like there's just none, and uh, would put themselves out of business. You know, what if they fix the the war on terror? How many federal you know uh, secret service people and FBI people would you know if they fix the drug problem? How many you know like. All this stuff, I'm so blackpilled on the government's like complete ineptitude. You look at New York's completely overrun by migrants, and um, and you know I, it sickens me that we're using human beings as political capital. We're busting these people to New York to stick it to them. We're busting people to LA to stick it to them. Like uh, I'm gonna go all lib here, but like it sucks. Just build the damn wall and have like a a, a fair path to citizenship. Everyone knows that's the solution, but like. Nope, gotta, even AOC came out today and she's like, boo, Biden's building the wall. This is terrible. It's like, okay, you have 100,000 migrants in your city costing $10 million a day or whatever it is, some insane amount to house these people in hotels and all that. By the way, New York taxpayers are paying for it. Like, it's such an obvious solution. 
but like you have something like AOC. Nope, she's got to say that this is bad because it's bad for her, you know, financially to agree that it's an obvious problem. That and yeah. so what the Republicans just keep pumping them in, and and it's going to create a system. And then these migrants, that you know, what do they do? You know, someone, you know, they're coming to America. They want to be here. Hopefully, they're not all like evil people. Hopefully, and um, they they have zero chance too because they're getting pumped into a system that's not. They can't support it. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I like that you said black pilled by the government because I feel like that was almost my process with really media and in a general sense. Growing up, like you're kind of paying attention a lot of times. Your parents are watching news and like whatever you consume it. But as I like kind of grew up and realized, I'm like, oh, wow. And this is why I truly believe the future of media is going to be individual content creation because all these media platforms, all they do is give a voice to the extremes that I understand why one group hates the other group because all they're doing is hearing from like literally the fringe of the other group. No, no adults right. in the middle are getting their voices heard because they're too just normal, too base. They say something too responsibly. But on the other side, media, obviously a, a for-profit business, they're like, oh, well, this is a crazy statement. And all of a sudden what happens is the left and the right, they're entirely colored by the extremes of that group's comments. And I'm like, oh, like this is why we have a lot of the polarization that we have going on now. So it, it it's beyond frustrating because honestly, I would argue that some of the most idiotic ideas are the ones that are getting the most airtime and not like just like the realistic yeah, ones. Like, like why can't we have a normal conversation of like, okay, we need to have immigration. We need to protect our borders, but let's speed up the immigration process so people don't have to wait years for it to happen. Like, let's and get it fast. Like, that's, like a, 90- that's a middle solution. Right. And 90% of people would agree with that. 80% probably. And then there's the 10% on both sides that are like, no, we need open borders and people should just walk right in and no, we should, nobody should ever be let in. Well, just, you know, fuck those people. Okay. Stop listening to them. Because if you want to look down the road, like you said, kick the can down the road and you actually give a shit about the world that your kids are going to grow up in. You can't stay in this like perpetual state of digging your heels in and, um, you know, because, you know, ideologically, it's what you think your viewers or your, or your voters want to hear. They don't get shit done. And I think that what you're going to see now, you already see it in a lot of these cities, more like tough on crime Democrats are getting elected. What do you think is going to happen in San Francisco? Yeah. 40,000 people have left that city. Where do you think they moved? Texas and Florida and yeah. the Midwest. They didn't move to a more woke city. They left there. So like, because they don't want to just say, hey, maybe we have a homeless problem and a drug problem they don't even want to say it out loud everyone else that lives there has to suffer and it's it's uh it's it's crazy well let me get back to finance stuff okay so the so the job thing came out it it eventually confirmed essentially confirmed well the job market is crazy because there's there's like more jobs than there are people yeah, about right 1.6, 1.7 job openings per person looking for yeah. a job. But I should also say all these government numbers, they're well known to be heavily manipulated to like what looks better, look what looks I'm worse, sure. like yeah. depending on like what sectors they come into. And a lot of it is like lagging versus not lagging. Like it, it does get messy. But as of now, those are at least the published numbers about 1.6, 1.7 job openings per person looking for great a job. time to be great time to be looking for another job. I mean, I think um, when I when I look at, I mean, like where I live in the Midwest, obviously salaries, you know, localized, but I think McDonald's is paying like twenty plus dollars an hour mm. in the in the suburbs. That'd be like forty dollars an hour in New York, thirty dollars an hour in New York to flip burgers. 
And um, it's because there's no work. There's no, if you look at the construction industry, all this stuff, there's, there's nobody doing jobs. So it's a great time, you know, if you want to take anything out of this to be looking for a new job. Now's the time to be demanding a raise. Now's the time to be looking for alternative jobs uh, because they're out there. Unless you're in tech, then keep your head down and don't say anything. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a very fair, lot of tech, like just, I guess, quote unquote, a lot of fat trimming, but yeah. they bloated because of the pandemic because their stocks went up so much. And the one that didn't do it, that hasn't had to lay anyone off is actually Apple. They yep. are the one company, big tech company that refused to add when their stock was going orbital because they at least had someone in their finance department that said, whoa, this is a short-lived flash-in-the-pan thing. It's not going to stay like this. Yeah, it was funny that, you know, it was like a Facebook cut, like freaking 20,000. It, yeah. it was or 12,000 in one cut and then just massive cuts. And I was like, it was right around the time when all those TikToks of like how we're, we're like these places were like adult daycares were kind yeah. of like, yeah. uh, I get up in the morning, I get my <laughs> chai latte. And then it's like, oh, you're all fired. Like, yeah. how did you not think? I mean, I guess you're living in the moment. And especially if I was like in my 20s, I probably wouldn't have seen it. Like, um, I was a part of some, I was a part of a, um, a internet incubator, which is essentially a company that owns a bunch of web websites okay. um, before it was cool. Like we were, this is, that was my first job out of real job out of college. And we were making a lot of money, 30, 40, 50 million a year. Net. Oh, wow. And it was like, I was like one of the oldest people that worked there. And uh, I ran a marketing department of like almost 50 people. And I was like, I had like, a, you know, two pubes on my face. And, um, but it was wild because at that time, I mean, when I was, I've been very public about this. When I was 20, so I graduated college. I got my master's degree while I was still working. When I was like 22, 23, and this would have been in, you know, this is year two, like 2005, 2006. Oh, yeah. I was making like 200 grand a year plus. And oh, like, wow. I mean, at that time, that that's still a lot of money. money. But like, it was like, I remember coming into work and it was like take out every single, it was like, well, we read a report that said, you make more money if you just cater lunch every day. So cater everybody in. And then of course, <laughs> when, you know, and like uh, everyone's, you know, we're taking work vacations in Brazil. I was definitely a part of that. And like, but I was smart with my money, but with work money, it was like, oh, um, I read a report that having uh, three monitors is actually uh, a little bit better than two monitors, 200 people. Everyone gets a, you know, a, a three monitor. monitor set up. Like, it was, it was insane. I've been inside, I guess what I'm saying is I've been inside a company where the money is like stupid. Like I remember there was times where I would get quarterly bonuses and my quarterly bonuses would be like 50 grand. And it was like, I'm 23, 24. And I'm like, what do I even do with this much money? I was like, yeah. I paid off my, I paid off my truck and I pay off, paid off all of my college. And like, I was just like, this is insane. And then what happens? Well, Everything changes. One day we're coming in. I have to fire 60% of the staff. That's what happens when these tech companies get stupid. You got to tighten your belt and you're like, whoa, wait a minute here. I'm paying like 30 people double what it costs to replace them. And uh, eventually you've got to make the tough decisions, which is what happens at, which is what happened at Facebook. It was the worst day of my life. It's why I quit the private sector. I had to fire. I mean, people were bawling their eyes out. It was the worst thing. I was like super scarred from it. It was like, I remember I, this is the way, cause I've been laid off now in the future, but it was like, 
okay, everyone go in this room, right? So my department's like 50 people. Just I'm sure that assume how this went on Facebook. Um, so my I got this room, all these team people, uh all the people from my team are in a room, and I read off the names and say, Okay, you guys, uh, you guys can go. See, nobody knows what's gonna happen. They're sitting in that room. They know layoffs are happening, but they don't know who's what. So you say, Okay, well, uh, this this says you guys can go go back to your desk. So the people that are there are thinking, like, oh, they got fired. They're gonna get fired. And then I'm like, well, actually, everyone in this room, you're fired. Like, yeah, uh, and, and you have like fucking, you know, I'm like you get two weeks severance. Um, and also there's security outside the door, and you're not allowed to go back to your desk, and you're not allowed oh, to <laughs> like because brutal. we couldn't let people back on their computers because it was like um, you know, I had to like scheme with IT to change everyone's passwords and all this. I fucking hated it. Yeah. And I was like, see, this is why we, you know, we didn't need to buy all this shit. We didn't need to, buy, you know, we could have laid off 30% of people instead of 60%. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, that was fun anecdote about that. Um, I actually had a friend who was at yeah. Facebook, AKA Meta when that was all happening. And they, at least in the New York office, everyone got an email at 6 a.m. that was fired. So they all got up early and they were just waiting oh, at their computer to know if their email. did it too, I think. Yeah, brutal. brutal. Everyone, so everyone's brutal. up at like five in the morning. They're like waiting, oh. waiting, waiting. That's how they did it. Straight to the email. third shift bar. That's, yeah. what, that's what I'd have to do. Like, it would just be like, I think Twitter did that too when they fired everyone. Or I think you got an email if you were staying, they kind of fucked it up and they like sent emails <laughs> and then people couldn't log in. Like, what a what an absolute uh brutal uh thing and that's just poor leadership you know i was young i should have known we should have been building out our team i had so many full timers that should have been remote and all this stuff that's what happens at these tech companies money comes in they get budgets budgets have to spend them just like the government if it's like the the government is just like that episode of the office where there's a 700 dollars surplus and uh, they spend the entire day freaking out about whether or not to buy new chairs for the office or it's a couple thousand or something yeah. or like a new copy machine. That's the government. Yeah. And then Michael finds out he can just keep the money and then that's the government. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <clears throat> it's all bad. Uh, inflation. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think it's getting any, it's headed any, are we getting any relief before the election? Well, Fortunately, we are trending down. So if we look at it peaked in June of 22, and that yeah. was just above 9%. Most recently, it came in at 3.7. So we're trending oh, in the right better. way. Yeah, yeah, like we're trending in the right way. But for those of you who maybe don't know, we should be at two. The established accepted rate is we should be inflating at 2% per year. I also want to add in that, folks, inflation is always 100% man-made. Inflation itself isn't natural. It's what happens when you print more money. Obviously, when you're increasing supply, you're devaluing the underlying thing. And in this particular case, it's the US dollar. Uh, so obviously, when they print way too much because of the Rona period, well, that's exactly why we have way, like, way too much yeah. inflation right now. Um, this, the current bout of inflation we're dealing with, it was fully expected, fully anticipated. Anyone looking at the situation knows when you print that much money, trillions yeah. of dollars, this is like what's going to happen. So we're heading in the right direction, but most likely that final percent will be the most difficult percent to take care of because inflation itself, you can see the difference. You have to take that money out of circulation, right? Like that, it takes a lot uh, longer. There's to... two, you either take it out of circulation or like you let it fall off your balance sheet. There's like a, a couple ways to do it really, but 
with it, there's different sectors. So you have inflation, the CPI, and then you have core, and that's when you take out food and energy. And then a lot of people are now talking about super core. And we're noticing that certain subsectors are proving to be very sticky, as in they're not moving down at all. And that's mainly shelter and services. So that's what the Fed's looking at. And they're like, uh-oh. And that's why when we get good economic reports, the market's going down because everyone's like, uh-oh, the Fed's been trying to fight that. Their fight's not going in the best direction. And then the market takes a hit because uh, even oil recently taking a big hit. It went from 94 a barrel a week ago to about 82 a barrel, dropped more than $10 a barrel, which is very weird That's for huge. oil. Yeah. But the reasoning for that is like, oh, demand's about to take a hit. And whether it's the US economy and even China's economy, they're faltering. The global economy right now, I would never sit here and be like the doomsday caller because I don't think we're in for a doomsday scenario. But I would definitely be saying, oh, like, I mean, the government's not going to admit it because, as you refer to, the labor market is too strong right now. And they're using that to say we're not in a recession when most of the time a recession was defined by two quarters of just non-growth, which we've had for multiple quarters. But they're just saying, oh, but the labor market's too strong. So how can we be in a recession? Whatever it is, I think financially things are going to be rough. Once again, not calling for doomsday, but I don't think we're going to have like the rip roaring easy, just buy and sell higher if you're just waiting and patient. I think 2024 is going to be a rough period, but then I think we come out of it in 2025, 2026 would be my prediction of strength. But regardless of being right or wrong, once again, coming back to the core thing of how do you make your money grow? If you have that long-term outlook by quality things, and in my opinion, yes, it worked for Buffett to be in things like Coca-Cola and that. I think we're in a new age where the new thing to just hold for the long-term is quality tech companies. I really, really do. Yeah, I think that's that's pro perfectly reasonable. And by the way, shout out to everyone watching over on YouTube at uh, and another thirty two hundred ish on um, on uh, Rumble. I'm joined by Matt Kors. Uh, his Rumble channel and YouTube channel are all linked down below. Please do give him a follow. He streams every day from nine to eleven, Monday through Friday, I should say. Also, he's uh, Matt Kors. He doesn't have the eight dollars to uh subscribe to twitter blue but that's him on twitter oh, wait, Matt i do i pay uh, him eight dollars where's my check did i somehow lose it no that oh, dude did you definitely taken i think he might be taking 11 bucks from me actually a month did you change your profile photo recently yeah, yeah i just did it like yesterday that's why the, that's why oh, it'll come back yeah better come, come back. back yeah i would try to go into spooky season here yeah 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 okay so that's him um but uh yeah make sure you give him a, a follow while we're talking one other thing I wanted to um, talk about. What, so one of the things when you talk about inflation that that I'm curious about is is the the food numbers, um, mm -hmm. and also if you've seen this phenomenon of uh, I think people are calling it shrinkflation, where like food companies are giving you less product in the same size packaging than they were before, and people aren't noticing. Um, and then I see those like videos. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, they actually yeah. are like. I used to get like now they're like oh I used to get twelve ounces of chips now it's eleven point four no one notices and the price is the same like devious right it's smart marketing. super yeah it's smart. super smart no one notices we're just oh we're just gonna cut an ounce out of every bag and that's it um it's what it'd be one thing to say okay well that's uh you know it's how we keep our prices where they are but it is a hidden inflation that yeah. happens in in um, food. Do you and and one of the big conversations people talk about is, is groceries. Like it's it's I, even I like I can I notice it's like super expensive to go grocery mm -hmm. shopping right now. Is that number trending any better? 
it is trending better, especially I think the one that was like really high was eggs at one point inflated to the yeah. tune of like 30, 40 percent. They're coming down. They're still high. Like I, the magnitude is still like a place where any of us, we go to the grocery store. We're like, whoa, why is this number a bit different? Um, they're heading in the right direct direction, but also they don't react as quickly. A lot of these uh, producers are going to be like, well, we'll jack it up and we'll leave it there for a bit longer just to make sure inflation is actually yeah. coming down. So they're not like, they don't really have like a, a fire under their ass to like be like so quick with it. Uh, oddly enough though, the one that's right now ripping and strangely has a lot of implications is orange juice. Just hit an all time high. Oranges are like in the commodities market is ripping um huh. coffee coca-cola they're ripping very very expensive right now so there are certain subsectors that are more expensive than others but right now in a general sense we're still going up in price faster than we should be especially on a relative basis to wages so uh it's more of the ratio that people should care about and unfortunately wages are going up but there's just no they're not they're going not up, up anywhere close to how much just like life expenses are going up yeah I always thought it was funny when you would get uh when I was young and you would get like a raise that was like an inflation like uh, to counteract inflation. Mm. Now that would have to be a significant percentage and um people are just sinking cuz they can't even if they are getting raises where they work, it's not keeping up to spending the extra $100 every week or two weeks at the grocery store. People and then like I said like the weird shrinkflation of one less pickle in the jar, one <laughs> less, you know, it's weird stuff that people don't notice and that's making your food not last as long. You know, I, I think that maybe there's a list somewhere online, but it'd be an interesting thing for people to look at because it, it baffles me. Like, I didn't notice. Like, mm. it was like, oh, uh, you know, I, I remember I, I, bought, I used to buy these 12 packs of these, uh, these like uh, alcoholic drinks. And um, I picked up a 12 pack like two weeks ago. And I was like, well, why is it? I, I don't remember how I noticed. I, they used to be 12 ounce cans. I picked mm -hmm. the same spot, exact same thing. I pick it up and I was like, wait a minute. This is kind of a smaller box. How's there 12 cans in here? Because I was expecting 12 ounce. And then I'm like, oh, these are 10 ounce cans. Like uh... same price. But like now they're like, oh, 10 ounce cans. And I was like, yeah, but I have to drink more of them to get drunk. This doesn't actually help me. Like just <laughs> just get me the the more expensive um, item. One thing I was going to ask, speaking of stocks and I, I, you know, and I appreciate you giving your time. I want, wanted to ask oh, you, by the way, everyone, make sure you go follow Matt. He's, he's got some interesting stuff, stuff every morning, uh, to watch. What do you think is going on now? Again, we're going to get into a more specific rumble stock conversation. I want to point out, at least I can say I am under contract with rumble. I currently do not own any rumble stock. Um, but I, I am curious, it feels like it should be worth way more than a few bucks. I, I don't understand why it's so like it, this is like, it, it's 10% of YouTube. So why isn't it, you know, like it should be 20, 30, $40 a share. I would think. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I as well am under contract by rumble and I actually also un own rumble stock. I, I don't actively trade it. I bought some a year ago and I'm yeah. going to buy a little bit more soon, but I'm, I'm holding it. It's an investment just so everyone knows, obviously neither of us are financial advisors. Um, but for me, I, I do want to buy some too. I'll put it yeah. out there. I do want to buy some, but I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not telling people to buy it either. Yeah. I just, have we, I like it have we covered our ass enough? I hope so. I like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. folks, dude, you're an adult. It's your money. You got to be yeah. smart with it, but it is an investment. I don't actively trade it. 
My thesis in the short term is recently they had record-breaking revenue. I don't see how they don't continue that trend into the election year when, based on historic election cycles, Rumble yeah. gets even bigger. So yeah. I like that in the short term. I also like, speaking of tech and how I like that growth in the future, Rumble's creating its own cloud. And cloud's a weird thing because it doesn't have that thing we can touch and we can see the way we would with like an iPhone. But cloud is a massive business. We're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars a quarter. AWS, Azure, Google Azure, Play. Yeah. yeah, so like it's a huge industry. Rumble's getting into it. So I like that in terms of its trajectory. But from more of the emotional standpoint, there's not many tech companies this day that like are willing to go to the mat with various governments, localities, people in power to truly stand up for freedom of speech. And mm-hmm. the reason why that matters to me is, folks, when I started off talking about stocks, stocks, I wasn't a person talking about politics or anything like that. I've had my channel on YouTube terminated three times, three separate <laughs> times. I'm like, I talk about stocks and the reasoning they gave for, and I actually ended up making merch and selling it just to make fun of them, was I was put in the harmful and dangerous category. That's the same category where they put terroristic videos. I was like, yeah. I'm talking about GameStop. Why am yeah. I put, being put in the same category? So for me, whether it was a human or just like an AI mess up, I'm like, oh, it, like people are getting silenced. And now ever since like the craziness with Elon taking over Twitter and releasing files, this, that, the other thing, we're noticing that there's clear proof that social media, like it's the thing that we all knew was happening, but now we just have proof of it. Now we know, of, yeah. Yeah, like definitively no questions about it. I'm like, oh, it's an investment in a platform being that, a neutral platform where as long as you're within their terms of service, you're allowed to create content. They're not putting their own ideologies on people. So for me, that seems like great long-term value. Now your question more specifically of like right now, well, I guess on the other side, we can admit that for a bit there, GME and AMC traded way above their fundamental yeah. value. And yeah. it's just, it's this one thing where Market price, market value doesn't always equal fundamental value. Sometimes there's community value that makes it very elevated. And then other times you could be getting shorted. Right now, if you look at all the shares on Rumble, 13% is betting against the company. There's other things going on of, I think the market's a little bit scared because the lockup period, it's been a year since they made their public. Explain what that is. So the way they went public, there's three ways for a stock to hit the public market. IPO, direct listing, or the most recent one is a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company. It's also referred to as a black check, black, uh, blank check company. Excuse me. What you need to know about that, like there's a lot of legal connotations, but what you need to know is entity out there with a lot of money, did all the paperwork to be publicly traded, then they invest in a private company, thus giving it a connection to the public market. That's how Rumble actually went public uh, through Cantor Fitzgerald. So they finally went public and that's when it went from CFVI was the original ticker, Cantor Fitzgerald, yeah. uh, to Rum. Rum. A year yeah. later, part of the deal is that a lot of the insiders, the board members and stuff, they're not allowed, it's a vesting period. They cannot touch their stock for a year. That ended September 16th, I want to say, mid-September. So the market mm. just assumed that a lot of them, sell off. these people yeah. would sell. As of now, from the last time I checked it in the SEC, and they have to file. They can't do it quietly. Like You have to file if you're going to sell, if you're one of these people. One of the initial investors ended up selling, I believe, 2.5% of their stake. That's mm-hmm. as of now, when we're filming it, that's the knowledge that Your I have. The CEO didn't sell any as far the as CEO I know. The CEO didn't at all. No, it was one of the uh, uh, like initial VCs sold a portion of it. The issue is, is a portion to them is a lot of stock. And then it's not the most millions of shares. Yeah. Yeah. So like when you're not trading that many, 
there's like an undue impact, like there's an outsized impact. So it's down right now and it's perception, maybe the one insider selling a portion of their, or at least a filing that they want to. Um, You have the shorts and like, there's various things like that, but yes, they do have record revenue. I believe they have records, average minutes watch. Like it is growing as a platform. They have like four of the five top shows, live streams on in the yeah, morning. during the day. Yeah, yeah. They, they crush Bongino's it. Bongino's doing 100,000. There's not a single person on tw- on Twitch that consistently, not one, does consistently 100,000. And Rumble has two. Andrew Tate consistently does 100,000. Uh, Bongino consistently does 100,000. I guess maybe... Maybe that kid on kick, um, Aiden, he's pretty popular, but like the numbers, this is why I was like, you know, I'm just being very transparent. Like I want to save up and I want to buy shares. I don't understand. Like it's so just to circle back. So people, so he was mentioning that there was a period where everyone who had stock initially could not sell it. That period, uh, came up for renewal basically, or came up, uh, Which is done. Yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And that's, why I think initially the stock dropped uh, because somebody sold stock, there was a cash out. And because there isn't zillions and zillions of shares out there, it has a disproportionate hit on like the total percentage. And, um, you know, I don't think there was like any kind of weird mass sell-off. I just think like everything seems bright for Rumble, especially when you look at their revenue. I'm just wondering, I, you know, I, I, I get um, conspiratorial because I do believe and I do believe there's evidence that that people do ideologically invest. Look at um, look at uh, freaking um, when the when the um, what was that uh, the environmental whatever ESG, removed their seal ESG of approval. Investing. Yeah, yeah. They took Tesla off their list and left like oil companies on it. Yeah. It crushed it's Tesla. It hurt Tesla stock. Yeah. And it, like for a bit there, they think it actually made it be not a part of the S and P 500, which is a big deal. And I was saying yeah. Tesla at that point was the world's number one automaker already. And they weren't putting it in the overall market. Like it was crazy. Yeah. And, but like to that, it was like, to me, that was, I don't know this, just my opinion, but like, that was cause they were like, well, you don't play ball with our political, whatever, whatever. So there are absolutely, in my opinion, people who invest for political reasons one one thing, like this is just my opinion, not maths, is uh, that people on on the right or even centrist people don't do it enough. There are a lot of like very liberal investors that invest in liberal companies, <coughs> Bill Gates and stuff like that. Um, there are not pe- a lot of people on the right who will actively go and invest in companies that stick to their values. And that is changing a little bit. Um, but I think that that's partially why the stock just isn't, you know, I mean, it's holding its own. It's it's been recovering, um, yeah. and its growth is inevitable. As as long as because Rumble, well, people don't forget. People always ask, like, like, dude, Rumble has its own servers. You know, Twitter, that free speech haven, they're on AWS. Like, um, it Rumble is a lot more insulated than a lot of these other kind of flash in the pan sites that came along. Um, with all due respect, you know, and they're also publicly traded, so they have there's certain protections that go with that. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting. They have, when is the next time they're going to actually talk? Cause you usually do those calls with Chris, right? When they do their earnings yeah. stuff. Uh, it's going to be most likely some point in November, I believe like roughly mid November is the next expected one. So there's also a good chance that the stock doesn't move much between now and then. Cause the question is like, okay, what's the news? Is there going to yeah. be good news, bad news? Most likely November. Cause 
I believe that's the next GOP debate, which Rumble seems to have a lot of connections with the RNC. Yeah, if he were to be there. I know Don Jr., he puts his shows on Rumble. We have the next earnings. So, like, to me, it'll probably be a quiet period for about a month. And honestly, for me, in my mind, the way I see it, I'm like, okay, the question of investing is always risk-reward. Inherently, your maximum risk right now is roughly $5 a share. So then the question is, is the reward worth it? And what do you think the probability of that reward is? And I just see growth every single quarter. And if the election were to go a little bit more to the right side, I, I think Rumble will sustain that growth very clearly for four years of potential Trump presidency. And obviously yeah. these are all predictions and I don't know how they're going to play out. There's yeah. like, it's always, it's a game of odds. Like it's never zero, hundred percent. We're somewhere in the gradient between one and 99 and it's up to every person of like, okay, what risk is it acceptable for you to take for me? When I see only $5 of downside, which I don't think is going to happen, I'm like, oh, like I'll bet accordingly of how much I'm willing to like put on the table to see if that does go down or not. Like it, to me, it's a, it's a basic game of math. And to bring your point of like you were talking about ESG and is like they're a concerted effort to come against it. Um, there's been two short outfits firms who've done research on Rumble and the the one was like the bear cave or something like that and i thought it was kind of disgusting because they were going after glenn greenwald they're like they paid him all this money he's not even yeah. producing a show they didn't even do the effort to realize that he wasn't public because i believe his husband was like seriously passed sick. away yeah, yeah like like, yeah. like he was like putting in effort to be with his family and then yeah. guess what when he got through that very trying period in his life yeah he came back and did his work like it, it was so ridiculous and then the one after that was citing some pretty crazy things. And then it was just bringing up of like, well, this isn't good because the board around him were friends that he met in college. Guess what Facebook is? The people who run Facebook, yeah, they met right. in college. Like a lot of businesses start from people who you meet yeah. in college. Like it's not a crazy thing. That doesn't make it necessarily a negative. It's not inherently itself. good. It's not inherently yeah, bad. Like, it's just is what it is. Yeah. You are around who you're around. It's like being surprised that people who went to college together are dating. Like yeah. it's who you're around when you're at your most creative and you're most, you're most uh, open to risk. And that's when this stuff happens. I do think it'll be interesting to see like if, if, um, God, if Trump, Trump was in the debates, those numbers would have been, I think at least double, but like at I first think there's a chance it actually could have taken servers down. Like, oh, not, yeah. like, I think like there could have been such a tune in that like, we would have heard this like servers like buzzing. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. We were both on site and it was like, it was just like, man, if Trump was here, and, and by the way, this is like, you know, everyone knows where I stand on it, but like, this is not a, like whether or not he's, I, anyone's endorsing him. I, we're just being selfish and like, we stream on Rumble and it would have had like a huge impact. <laughs> like yeah. there would have been, I, I, I'm going to guess, I think it was over 300,000 concurrent. Um, you would, there would have been six, seven, 800,000 concurrent, at mi yeah. maybe more. And uh, I'm hoping maybe he does the last bit. He won't though. But there'll be other events that might stream on Rumble. Like um, if he does get the nomination, there's still debates that happen there. Yeah. This kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, the RNC partner with Rumble, I think, was extremely savvy uh, for not that Rumble, by the way, this is the other thing. It's not that Rumble wants to be right wing. It's like you could be a far leftist and be on. I don't know Matt's personal politics. I've never asked because we're normal people. and We don't start our conversations <laughs> that way. Like the, the Rumble would take Hassan Piker or the Young Turks or any of these people. They're, 
that's the most annoying thing. Like even normies out in the public, they're like, uh, oh, you're on that conservative YouTube site. I'm like, like, I don't even consider myself conservative. My viewers know this. Like I vote Republican because I have a business for the most part, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty liberal in a lot of like human rights issues and things of that nature. I just went on my, you know, think of the migrants talk. So like pe people know where I stand. If Rumble can shake that, I think that would be huge. I think Russell Brand's been good. If they do another Super Bowl ad, I think they did a Super Bowl ad last year with Russell um, that I thought was a little, it didn't drive the point home enough. People knew who, now they can't use Russell anymore, I imagine. But um, <laughs> the, um, I mean, you think that, I think that, you know, to, to moving away from the stock, I think that the, the future is bright for Rumble. I think that um, more creators will come here. I hope more creators, um who are not right wing come here and um because it creates a more dynamic environment it creates more fun like it creates more arguments and drama and that's what grows that's really what grows these communities is uh drama and yeah. um excitement now when all the a lot you know youtube's boring now all the like uh people that i used to dunk on don't make videos anymore and you know all this kind of stuff one thing i want to remind people uh, I, I want to let him off the hook here because he's been, I've kept him more than I said I would, but uh, we're Love joined it. here by Matt Kors. Um, I want to make sure you go, if you're watching on YouTube, you go subscribe to his YouTube channel. If you watch on Rumble, if you're watching on Rumble, there's about 3,200 of you. Make sure you go follow Matt. He's really close to 100,000. He could get his own little Rumble statue. Um, I actually got one for 69,420. Uh, okay, that's based. The, yeah, the, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be. Yeah, the, I I got mine for a hundred k, and I think Crowder has exact same one for a million. Mm -hmm. And um, I do. I I think that I actually cared about that more than any YouTube plaque ever got because I was like, because of what it represented. Like, yeah. look at all these people that are willing to support. Um, uh, you know, a new new technology. I mean, Roseanne's on here now. You may have heard, we, we, we know, you may have heard of her. But um, I think that's good. Do you see, do, I wish that Elon would just, I wish that Elon would support Rumble more. I wish that Elon didn't see it as a competitor and rather an ally. Um, yeah, because that, that That would be really nice because Rumble actually supports free speech and um, Twitter still bans people all the time um, on the left and the right. And I remember his little like, well, I'm a little disappointed, Russell, that you didn't bring your show to X. We've done more for free speech than anybody. I'm like, yeah. dude, anybody who knows like France, at, France told Rumble to take down uh, to deplatform somebody. I was there, I think, Russia today. Um, and they told him to get fucked. And now Rumble's just not available in France. Like yeah. that's actually doing something to protect free speech not just tweeting and saying you support free speech. Well, even the thing with Russell Brand right now, the UK government reached out to him and they're like, what? And they're fighting with the Canadian government with what's it like C11 or something where everyone yeah. has to like register. Like it is scary. And like similar to you, like, I don't know. I think a lot of people, you come up socially and that's like what politics are. And you're like, oh, this is right for people. And then like, you start to hear about almost like these like 1984, like Orwellian things. And you're like, dude, like this is kind of suspect. Like, yeah. And then apparently if you ask it, a lot of the times maybe in like the 
younger millennial Gen Z group, whatever it is, like they think you're like a hardcore right winger. And I've right, seen the yeah. diagrams of it. I'm like, it's not my fault if politics change and I've kept my view. Like, it's yeah, just yeah. like, I think Joe Rogan talks about that all the time. He's like, just because the political spectrum has changed, people now call me right wing. But I mean, even Russell Brand years ago, these people that were guy's like, a socialist oh, yeah, like and they're left, calling him right wing. Very left. <laughs> Yeah. And like it just shifts and it, it, it's just crazy how it all happens. And like, uh, it's strange because when you get a little bit of emotional uh, social media following, like you, you hear this and people attack you and they call. And then there's also people who support you. And I'm like, well, hang on. Like, I think you might be supporting me for the wrong reason. Like, I'm not that even like, I don't want to be either side. I'm just sharing my opinion. If it aligns with you, great. Let's have a conversation. If you don't, yeah. great. Let's still have a conversation. But like, the extreme nature of it right now is just like, if you don't agree with me, like let's fight. And it's like super derogatory terms. It's like, what is going on? Right. It's just hyper polarization. Well, we've been getting programmed for it for the last five years. I also believe that um, the, the COVID lockdowns genuinely damaged people in a, in a variety of ways. Mm. And that I'm not just talking about, you know, mask weirdos. I'm talking about like it damaged people's psyches. It, 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 they sat inside on social media all day arguing with people and they forgot to go touch grass and um <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff matt i i um just so i remind everyone in chat go uh go over to matt's channel leave a comment on one of his videos um it's at rumble.com slash c slash matt cores or the links are all in the description or if you're on youtube um you know please do that and um matt i really really i didn't get we kind of were just chopping up a little bit i didn't get through as many questions as i wanted any um any last parting thoughts on the digital dollar digital dollar uh, speaking of politics and like yeah, yeah and like views and stuff so first of all i support crypto i own bitcoin i own ethereum once again the thing i don't actively trade i'm in it for the long term so that's what got me into yeah. crypto learning about it all that good jazz with the digital dollar like I don't know if this is like libertarian or not, but like through and through when I ever learn anything about politics, I cannot name a singular time when giving the government more power or more access has ever been solid in the long term. I can't name a single event of that. Maybe it's the point of where I am in my life and maybe this is uh, a young no, no, guy's no, no, no. view of like- You're a fact. No, that's a fact. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <just> not, like <laughs> it might, I don't know. The audience- That is a historical like this, fact, like, man. Yeah, like hardcore libertarian, but like the, this digital dollar to me, it's too much surveillance. It can easily, like just understanding the technology behind it. I mean, right now, what's it? Yellen wants to track everything around $600. Dude, like, dude yo, yeah. $600, give me they, a break. They lose billions of dollars of like military hardware. I'm like, and you yeah. want to know my $600? Like who's checking who? I'm not the one yeah. that's $33 trillion in debt. Like let's, yeah. let's chill of who's better with money. I, I, I just don't get it. I sold a dinner table I didn't use and the fucking IRS wants to know about it. Like I sold, yeah. you know, like it's so weird. Like, uh, you know that I agree. And that, I think that's a good way to, I don't, uh, I don't support it. I don't, uh, I don't want it. And I, I think I'm not going to fear monger around it, but you already saw a lot of this switch. People don't want to accept cash anymore. There are a lot of businesses during COVID phased out cash for safety reasons. There was a nationwide change shortage allegedly and like a lot of these businesses now they just don't take cash you've seen people have, i don't know if you've seen any of these like viral videos where people are like no take my fucking money it's they because yeah, you have kids. to take it it's legal tender you have to take my money and like well we don't take cash that's like a that's like a dystopian nugget 
that's nothing like what the yeah. digital dollar could put, 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 potentially open up. So people need to watch it. People call it um, the digital dollar. They've rebranded now because too many people knew what that meant. Now it's like CBDC, I think is yeah. what they call it. Yeah, which is still just the digital it's dollar. It's still the same thing. Yeah, and then they'll rename it again and they'll rename it again until, until uh, because it's a, it, it creates a lever. We've already seen MasterCard and other companies. That's why this Supreme Court ruling with uh, Supreme Court ruling on the social media censorship is so important with Clarence Thomas, where he wants to state, you know, hey, Facebook, Twitter, these are the publics where you can't ban people, like a phone company, you can't ban people from political opinions. That could be the biggest um, Supreme Court decision of the modern era because it's that important because the, we already see like MasterCard and all this stuff banning people because they don't like their political opinions. Shopify, de, de, you know, debank. We've seen banks do it, debanking people. Um, so yeah, no more extra power for the government. I think fully that's agree. A good, a good fully note. agree. Yes, go follow Matt on his channels and go watch his show Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. Um, and uh, go over to his channel and make sure you follow and you say hello. And uh, Matt, thanks so much for coming on. Yep. I uh, appreciate the conversation. Shout out to everyone who watched it. Appreciate it. But everyone have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. And we'll hopefully we'll talk again soon later. Yeah, right on. Cool. Have a good one.